So what does spiritual health look like right now? That is our topic for today. Uh, Kyle and I are going to bat this question around for a bit in a sort of uh, live podcast style. And, uh, and while we do, we want to invite uh, the questions that come up for you as we go along. So uh, if questions are coming up, we want you to write in the questions and uh, write those questions in the comment or chat section. Uh, and as we go along, as we find uh, different um, sort of uh, end of a beat or a different stopping point, Jen is going to interrupt Kyle and I and sneak in uh, to offer some of the themes that are going on in the questions that you guys have. So again, we're kicking this off with what does spiritual health look like right now? And uh, I'm going to throw it to Kyle, who's going to begin uh, for today. Hello, everybody. Um, you know, it seems appropriate in this season for Vince and I, as we've even just been chatting throughout this week, of uh, often trying to think about what does it look like for us to find health and find some spiritual health in daily life. And so rarely do we have seasons where daily life is different for everybody we know at the same time. Um, and I think some of the challenges that we have discussed, some of the things that have come up for us is obviously been uh, the experience of social distancing. Uh, I'm somebody who's an extrovert. I really enjoy being around people and uh, it, it's just tough for me when I don't get to be around other people, uh, let alone um, just the desire to get out and socialize, uh, work. I worked from home all week and my work is not a normal work at home thing. Um, and that even just trying to figure out what does new work life look like. Um, and one thing that I think I realized in this whole process is I kind of have two things going on at once right now that are, are kind of threats to me. Uh, the first one is uh, what's right in front of me. So it's like figuring out a new work life situation. It's uh, having my kids who are in CPS be off school. It's uh, me being at home all day with my family, figuring out all of these questions. Uh, then there is the the emotions I feel about what the future looks like. Uh, it's almost like what today offers me is one set of challenges and then my emotional experience of like what the next few months might look like for me is kind of the next set of questions for myself. And I think for Vince and I having this conversation around what does this look like for, for us to think about this, uh, this in a lot of ways feels totally unprecedented, but kind of one of the benefits that we realized is when we come from a tradition that lasts millennia, uh, unprecedented is actually kind of a, a, an interesting choice of words. And the truth is, uh, as we think about the history of spirituality, the history of uh, thinkers who have tried to connect with Jesus, that there actually has been some things uh, where there were people who found help in times like this, uh, that we ourselves have been trying to tap into this week. Um, and so I think, uh, Vince, I'll tag it back to you here. Of I think you were talking to me earlier about a few of the specific kind of inflection points in history that do maybe parallel in some ways, some of the ways that we're wrestling with the current reality. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There have been, uh, as you're mentioning, like, prayer and contemplative practices um, and, uh, and how we do spiritual health in a time like this um, when quiet is so important or like when quiet is thrust upon us and we want to take advantage of it, maybe that's it, uh, or slowness of pace is thrust upon us and we want to take advantage of that. Um, it, the, there's actually been two times in history uh, when uh, contemplative prayer when uh, mystics in the Christian tr tradition were uh, most uh, present 
and, and sort of had a surge. Uh, and then at, through most of the history of the church, that was kind of on the, on the back burner, this kind of Christian mystic experience where, uh, where the, the idea was to dial down and that was how you found God rather than dial up and try to get people like, like stir the pot and get everything very frothy. And that's how we show people God. The idea of dialing down and bringing people into a quiet space and that is where you find God. Uh, with a, a style of, uh, of leaning into prayer that we found really helpful in our church. The two times when that has most happened in history was uh, bef- uh, uh, right after the, uh, the church was first co-opted by empire. So maybe you remember from like Western Civ history courses, Emperor Constantine in the fourth century um, decides to make Christianity the state religion. And at that time, there were a number of, uh, of uh, sort of fervent believers in, and followers of Jesus who felt that following Jesus was incompatible with being in power in, 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 uh, and, you know, like enforcing your might on other people. Because Jesus is the, is the, the, uh, the suffering God, the God who, who self-sacrifices for others and, doesn't, uh, and is nonviolent in his protest. And so, uh, and so what, what ended up happening is you have this, uh, this group of people that retreat into the desert, and we know them today as the desert mothers and the desert fathers. And the idea was to get away from this empire-controlled version of faith, and then the idea is that they would return to the cities and be changed by their experience out in the desert. And, uh, and they'd be offered to, able to offer something to the world and to the cities that no one else was able to offer. And so that's the first time in history that this kind of uh, prayer uh, that we want to encourage today as sort of spiritual health right now uh, really got on the rise. And the second time is actually even more interesting and I think uh, connecting to what we're experiencing right now. The second time in history when there has been the most surge in contemplative prayer practices and in, in, in Christian mysticism is during the bubonic plague in Europe. And, uh, and so these would be the rise of people like Julian of Norwich, maybe you've heard some of these names before, Thomas Akempis, uh, Catherine of Siena, and this was in the 14th century when the world is being ravaged by pandemic. And it's just very fascinating that this, this is a time when uh, prayer practices really like took off. And it's one of the two times in history that it really took off. And I wonder if that has things to speak to us today. And so uh, one of the, the, the people who I'm most struck by in this period is uh, Julian of Norwich. Uh, she is um, an, an interesting tidbit. She is the first woman to be uh, published in the English language in history. So that's a little fascinating bit about Julian of Norwich. Uh, but she, her famous phrase is, uh, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well for there is a force of love moving through the universe. And that is just a, a really beautiful phrase that I've been really attached to lately. All shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, for there is a force of love moving through the universe. And I guess what I want us to think about as I pass on that, in, that, that you know, like it sounds encouraging at any point, but think about this. She is living through the black death, the bubonic plague, which ravaged the world and killed a massive fraction of the people on earth at that time and changed, I mean, it changed life. It, 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 this, was, this was something that just like utterly 
uh, sort of like we're experiencing right now is just like changed the rules of how to live in modern society. Everything was, was, was in flux as a result of this. And she was able to find something, find some sort of connection with God and ongoing uh, uh, sort of spiritual uh, vibrancy that allowed her to say, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, for there is a force of love moving through the, through the universe. And I think like, that doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound removed from the suffering. It doesn't sound like she's like, like she's giving some sort of trite religious phrase of like, oh, you know, everything's going to be fine. It's all good. Everything's okay. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds like she's deeply in touch with it, but still able to find something and an ability to say all shall be well. And I think that's a little bit of a picture of what spiritual health is right now. It's this, this ability to be able to tap into a deep place in us and be able to say all shall be well, even in the midst of deep uncertainty. And there is no, like we, we do not have guarantees for how this is going to go. And there will certainly be great amounts of hardship and suffering through the, many of us are already experiencing that or already in touch with that, whether it is financial hardship as a result of what's happening or whether it's, uh, it's actual fear around the virus itself and, and loss of life or, or loss of uh, loved ones. And, and so I think that the ability to find a way to, to, to dig down deep and find an all shall be well within us is a bit of what spiritual health looks like right now. And I think, um, the part of, of what it means to live in the bubonic plague or what does it mean to be a Christian that finds your faith solidly grounded in Jesus as the, the sufferer, Jesus as the humble servant in the midst of your religion being co-opted by an empire, is this experience of uh, total destabilization. It's the, we're not able to fall back onto our routines. We're not able to fall back onto kind of what we expect and believe to be true. And I actually think that in a lot of ways, being a follower of Jesus in America for a long time, uh, the experience of walking through the kind of suffering Jesus walked through, this experience of life being found in, in the resurrection after those, those moments of descent in our life, uh, has been a weird struggle because it, Christianity in the U.S. has largely been uh, in the ownership of the privileged and the powerful. And what happens, I think, in seasons like this is that we all experience destabilization. And I think the one way I think about what's going on right now, when I'm trying to put my headspace into a place that's actually helpful, is thinking about how this destabilization and this challenge actually positions me to experience Jesus well. It, it ex puts me in a position uh, where I don't get to just walk through life on default. I don't get to just do what I do and walk forward. There's a, a level of uh, heightened vigilance within my emotions that kind of has, it certainly has some threats to it for sure. Um, but there's also some opportunity in the destabilization uh, to find the path that I, I find Jesus walking, which is one of surrender, one of acknowledging uh, that the first shall be last. And I think that there's two pieces in this that really feel most helpful and concrete for me in this space. Um, and one of them is just acknowledging uh, the cost mentally and emotionally for me to have no default to fall back on right now. You know, there's a study that came out a little while ago that was talking about how when people break their morning routine, they are less productive at work that day. 
And uh, what the psychologist was positioning as the conclusion of that was, uh, we have finite mental energy in life. We have finite ability and emotional energy to make it through life. And so when we have to use that on recreating a morning routine, we have less of it as the day goes on. And that's why people are less productive at work. And for me, I have zero of the routines that I had last week. Um, I'm walking into a daily experience today where remembering that today is Sunday and not Saturday or Monday or Wednesday is like, you know, my son keeps, uh, because we're home all the time, uh, he doesn't nap during the day. He just has quiet time in his room. And he says to me, oh, is this the time where I get to play in my room or is this the time I have to sleep in my room? And it's just like the delineation of what a day looks like is, is hard. And so in the midst of that, I think one thing that is really helpful for me is trying to realize that the, there's the spiritual practice of creating like a daily rule of life or better known as a schedule. Um, and it's saying that I'm still gonna wake up, I'm still gonna shower, I'm still gonna get myself ready, even though I'm not going anywhere. I'm still gonna start doing something at nine o'clock, and then I'm gonna do something at 10 o'clock, and then I'm gonna plan something physical into my life, and I'm still gonna eat lunch at this time, and I'm gonna try to go to bed at a certain time, which is way easier said than done, but it's one of these things that the, the mystics uh, really do teach us, is this idea of daily routine and practice is important for us because without it, our brain is constantly working, our emotional reality is constantly working to make sense of the world around us. Uh, the second piece of this is what we learn kind of most powerfully from the monastics is contemplation, quiet. Uh, from me and my kids, it's been hard to figure out how to break away from them to do that. So we've done a few things together. Like there's a YouTube video called Calm Monkey, which is a monkey doing meditative practices. Uh, there's this app and this service called Go Doodle. And there's like these meditative practices that I do with my kids, like rainbow and melting of your body. And I've been doing it with them. And I think the reason why these meditative practices of setting aside time in our day, contemplate to quiet ourselves, the reason why I think that's so helpful for right this moment is if I take a step back, today feels manageable. But tomorrow, less so. April, much less so. May, much, much less so. And what contemplation does is it, is it centers us in this moment. So when I'm doing Calm a Monkey and I'm feeling my body and I'm, I'm breathing, I'm moving myself, I'm drawing my attention to the room around me, the people around me, the quietness within me, I'm bringing myself into the present. I'm bringing my anxieties and my stresses into right now, and I'm pulling them back from my anxieties living in April, or my anxieties living in July, or my anxieties living in next week. Um, and so to me, that process has been like one of the lifesavers of this last week has been trying to do that. And I'll be honest, if I wasn't feeling so motivated to help keep my kids on a schedule, I'm not sure I would pursue that. Um, but to me, when I think about what it means to be spiritually healthy, I, I do think that those are the, the processes that are, are been most helpful to me in this space. You know, one of the fascinating things Kyle and I were, were talking about recently is uh, how, uh, in general, I think like if you take a, um, a, a quick like anecdotal look at our talks over the last year, um, so prior to the coronavirus lockdown, uh, I think so much of what we discuss here in our church is how do we carve out space to slow down and to quiet down 
that we might experience God in this way we're talking about the Christian mystics experiencing. And now the strange thing that we're like, with the world flipped on its head is that we have, we have thrust upon us a uh, space that is quiet and slowed down. And we're like, it's, it's too much. Like we were like, oh God, can we just, oh man, I just really need to be able to quiet down. And, oh no, no, too much, oh stop, stop, too much quiet, too much slow. Like it's, it, it's almost as if we don't know what to do with ourselves. We're the, we're the dog that caught its tail. And, uh, and so we, in some way, the, the interesting spiritual health question before us is sort of the reverse of what it has been for any of us living in civilized America, you know, like where we have all of this stuff and we have all of these things and we have all of this access to everything. And, you know, now we're trying to figure out like, oh, oh, wait, now, now I have all this time on my hands and now I have all of this space and I have to be quiet and I have to be alone. It's not a question of finding that space or carving that space out. It's a question of how do I leverage and how do I not feel overwhelmed by all of this space? And, 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 you know, of course, now we have new questions confronting us too of like, how do we find connection in the midst of this? And that is certainly an important question as we, that, that we will engage as we all move forward. But it's just worth, I think, stepping back to consider like, everything's on its head right now. What, what do we do? Like, th this is the opposite of what we needed before. Uh, what do we make of that? How do we find health in the midst of that? Um, in, in some ways, this presents a lot of challenges that we haven't considered because they've never been challenges we've had to consider. You know, the last piece of this that I, uh, I, I recognize that feels so uh, essential to me is we have this venue, digital connection available to us, which was not available during the bubonic plague or was not available in previous spaces. Uh, and it, in a lot of ways, like, it is a blessing to sit here, even just seeing the few of you that have your cameras on. It just is like, oh, that's where you live. That's nice. Oh, look at that. You know, those are real human beings. I'm not alone in this. This is a, it's, it's a version of connection. Um, but one of the challenges for me is the way that we tend to connect on social media is, uh, is its own world. It's, it's different than human connection. Um, we are always prone to try to put versions of ourselves that is appropriate for whatever platform we're putting forward, whatever filter that is for us. And I'm not in a disingenuous way. It's just the way that these, uh, the culture of these mediums work, um, create a level of how we present ourselves that sometimes misses what we really need. And so I think recognizing for me how meaningful the phone calls have been to me in the last week of just calling people and being uh, as honest as I know how to be about what's going on. And I think that's the other piece of it. I think it's impossible to know how to be honest when you're doing something that's seen by thousands of people, which is important, but also trying to think who are the people that I can do some one-on-one -on -one conversation with? Who are the people that I can reach out with and just chat? And what does it look like to be honest about where I'm at right now um, in a way that is, is, is safe and kind and honestly, sometimes being honest about what's hard uh, feels difficult because it feels like we have permission to it. That if I say out loud how worried I am about my income, if I say out loud how worried I am about whatever, that somehow I've like let it into to my mind and therefore it can affect me. And I, I think that that's why it's important to, to think about who are the people we can reach out to to do that with. Whether it's a friend, uh, whether it's somebody that we trust, whether it's a pastor, whether it's um, a family member. I think that that's one of those pieces is to use social media for what it is, but 
recognize uh, the way that it works and the way that it, it's not gonna give us all that we need in this space. So just a reminder that uh, as we continue on here, we'll uh, keep the discussion going here for another few minutes. And if you uh, have any things that you, along, this along the lines of this question is what does spiritual health look like right now? Any questions or any comments that you want us to consider, please feel free to drop those in the comments or the chat section as we go on. Uh, and uh, we'll, again, we'll continue the discussion for a bit longer and our moderator, Jen, will bring those, surface those, uh, the themes of the questions and comments to us uh, as needed. And then uh, we'll, we'll pray in a little bit here to close us as we, as we move to the, 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 uh, the end of our uh, time together. But uh, one thing, Kyle, that you just mentioned um, and uh, brings me back is um, I, so I, in, this is sort of like we're talking about the challenge uh, side of all of this. But I wonder if also there is, um, I, I wonder if there's a way for, for us to feel encouraged uh, in this time. Um, and especially as I think about the way that social media in particular um, has been, th this is sort of like a time when we've actually seen it, it, the good of social media come out. Whereas like everybody, it seems like in, in the world, at least in the orbit of me, has become so quickly educated about why it's important to do things like social distancing or the uh like again i mentioned last week like all of these terms that we now like know what they mean and they they were like nothing to us before flattening the curve god knows who what flattening the curve meant before but now it's like a hashtag and it's common knowledge and uh and uh just, so just this interesting way that social media has helped us all to get on the same team and do something together now that i wonder if there is like this incredible I don't know. I, I feel like we should feel encouraged by, uh, by, by the fact that we have so quickly, like globally, there is such a consensus around what I was mentioning last week, which is we're all in self-sacrifice mode. Like the entire world gets that we all have to make sacrifices now for the most vulnerable in society in order to flatten the curve and protect our healthcare workers so that they can all protect us. And it's like, wow, the entire world has very quickly become educated on why it's important and now is like taking quite courageous steps for everyone to do the most Jesus behavior there is. Self-sacrifice, self-sacrificial love, caring for the most vulnerable. And that I think we should feel encouraged by because like there, there is, there is this, this sense that like, yes, we have all of these challenges to our spiritual health more so than ever before. But I wonder if the thing that we learn from the story of the 14th century when plague ravages Europe. And then we see this bursting of spiritual connection and writers who still speak to people's hearts and souls today, like Julian of Norwich, as I mentioned, or, or many others that we could bring into the discussion today. I wonder if that happens because of the opportunity here, the opportunity for everybody in the world to meet Jesus by operating in Jesus-like ways. And, uh, and so I think that like, I don't know, I, I, I was talking with somebody uh, who was uh, this week, uh, somebody in our church who was saying that they, uh, on their Slack um, for work, you know, cause they're all mobile now. And so they're and remote. And so they're all like, they're, they're, their office is basically happening on Slack or on email. And, uh, and it like one channel that they have is totally devoted to memes and just like making people laugh. Uh, and then also sharing like, 
like meaningful things. Like one person was saying, like this is a think about this. this is totally a secular environment, a workspace, and somebody is sharing like, hey, right now I'm working and it's the sun is out, so I'm sitting in my backyard and my kids are playing while I work and I'm feeling a lot of gratitude right now. And they just shared that in in this in this work Slack. And you just think about that. It's like what the like. Those are the, sto- the sorts of stories that are shared or like in historically in like faith community settings, not in like your work slack, you know? And I kind of love that. I think that, that, that that's not a story that is unique to this person. As, as I've been talking with different people in our church this week, I'm realizing lots of people are experiencing that in their work environments. Lots of people are experiencing that like along with family, conversations with family that they're, they're like talking about gratitude more than they ever have before. Or they're, or they're like having serious conversations about each other's health when usually all they're able to do is laugh with each other. And it's like, oh, wow, we got to a deep space there. That, that, that was something. Uh, the, I think that there is this, incredible connection to what is most important in life that happens at a time like this. And in some way we should feel encouraged. Like maybe our instincts are closer to spiritual health than we think. And so given all of the challenges that we've uh, mentioned here and all of the ways that we absolutely like in any time need to be intentional, but maybe intentional in a different way than we ever have practiced before. One of the things that we can take away is man, like, we are, we, we are, we are more, maybe we're more connected to Jesus than ever before, just by all of our instincts towards self-sacrificial love and towards stepping back and like engaging with the present and trying to engage with practices like gratitude, which have never failed to bring spiritual health to people in history. And so that's another thing that I wonder here. If I may chime in, uh, fellas. Please. Hello. Uh, it is Jen. Hello to all. Uh, on Zoom and Facebook. I, I do have some awesome comments that have been coming in from folks. Um, so Isabel um, and uh, really latched onto, and I think everybody's kind of jumping on this idea of the uh, monastic practice, like looking at this as an opportunity of what's come before in the church and uh, mirroring monastic practices. And it's a full body health. It's spiritual, mental, and physical. Um, and so, this is an opportunity for us to create structure for ourselves. So we got a bunch of awesome suggestions because um, Isabel works from home. Uh, so that's something she's really used to in creating her own routine. Um, but we got some really great suggestions. Um, uh, Amy was saying uh, getting dressed and making an effort to follow a schedule every day, moving your body physically. Um, Barbie, um, she suggested some uh, worship music in the mornings, just setting up that spiritual space. Um, exercising and stretching sounds like moving it's so funny like everybody's mentioning these physical things now that um, we've been talking about the spiritual side but I think the body is very connected to that especially we're like so pent up right now love that oh man I, I think that so many in our community have a lot to teach all of us in terms of the connection between the physical and the spiritual and may and again like this this feels like one of those things that maybe we we're like not used to considering so much because movement is built into so many of our usual lives. But now suddenly, you know, uh, in, in self-quarantine, in, in everybody locked down, we suddenly have to think about this more than ever before. What does it, how do we, how do we practice spiritual health with our bodies? And uh, that, I, I love it. I, I just think uh, 
more, I mean, the more that people can pass on these comments, the more that uh, we will uh, sort of give a, a nod to uh, the Facebook uh, group that we have uh, for the church. Uh, there, we, the, this is separate from the Facebook page. There's a private group that we have. And if you are, uh, if you want to be connected with that and you're not already connected with that, just ask to join. If you search Brownline Church Communication Board, you'll find it. Uh, so, um, but get connected on it because I think that uh, like e even just knowing a number of the people in our community who are engaged with physical health, uh, I think that we can all learn quite a lot from um, how to do that well, how to connect uh, physical space with spiritual space. Um, just as I'm thinking about it and, and some things I've learned, I remember somebody teaching me at one point uh, a practice that they do that I, uh, to some degree, practice. Um, I, I sort of practice in my own way. But this was somebody who was uh, suggesting to me that they have a chair in their, uh, in their house, and this chair is only for prayer. It's the prayer chair, and the rhyming is just so convenient. Isn't that great? Uh, and uh, But it, they were, they explained to me that, like, they don't sit down on their phone and pay their bills on uh, when uh, like sitting in this chair they don't um they don't like you know scroll social media in this chair they don't um sit down and get out their laptop and work in this chair or anything like that they don't have hard conversations in this chair if they're talking with a friend or a family member or a partner all they do in this chair this chair is devoted to prayer and so there's something about marking a physical space as this is here for me for prayer that uh, that made a difference for them. Now, I don't have a specific chair, the way I've practiced this in myself, I don't have a specific chair that like I only sit in for prayer, uh, but I do have a very specific prayer routine in my mornings where I'll make my coffee and I'll use the same mug and I'll sit in the same space and I will smile uh, uh, when uh, my cat leaves its chair and comes and sits right next to me and wants to be right on top of my face. And I'll say, just, just, be, sit next to me, not on top of me, next to me. And, but even, even, even like the cat doing that is like this cue for me, this reminder to my physical self that like I'm in prayer mode right now. And that helps me. Uh, there's something about being in the same space, doing the same things that gets me into that space quicker and allows me to be prayerful. E prayerful is not just something that's going on internally for me. It's something that's going on with my physical body. You know, maybe the way that I would leave kind of my thoughts on all of this is juggling the balance of acknowledging internally the real difficulty of what's going on right now and not pretending that it's not happening. Acknowledging emotionally. The way that we're talking about what means to be healthy is physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All of those things. Acknowledging how hard that is. It's this weird tension of where Jesus lives is in, in the tension between two opposing things. And then on the other side, recognizing the opportunity that a space like this can present for us. Uh, the ways that it does put us in a position to be intentional, to do all the things that we've talked about here uh, for connection with God, even just breaking down the way that the default momentum of our life has got us to this moment. Um, and so I think trying to figure out where is there opportunity in this and not letting my, my narrative of that opportunity belittle the, the loss of the hard parts of this and to look to Jesus for help in both of those, healing and companionship and hope where it feels hard and then the ability to find a new rhythm, new connection, a new life and a new vision for myself that space is needed to do and we have that kind of forced upon us right now.